You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, um, uh, starting actually in verse 9. It says, Then a large crowd of Jews learned he was there. They came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one he had raised from the dead. Let that sink in for a minute. The man he raised from the dead. But the chief priests had decided to kill Lazarus because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. And the next day, when the large crowd that had come to the festival heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. And they kept shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And his disciples didn't understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Meanwhile, the crowd which, had, which was with him when they called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised from the dead continued to testify. This is also why the crowd met him, because they heard he had done this sign. And then the Pharisees said to one another, you see, you've accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The world has gone after him. Could you imagine this scene? Could you imagine the point where the Pharisees are so bent out of shape, they're now pointing fingers at one another? You see, there's no stopping this. We've been trying. We want to take out Lazarus, but look at the crowd. How are we going to convert this crowd? When's the last time you saw someone raised from the dead? Imagine how you'd respond when that happened. We've heard a testimony. You, you turn on YouTube. You go home tonight. You turn on YouTube. And there's actual accounts in today's day and age of it happening all over the world. It's been some time since we've seen it in our neck of the woods. But it does happen. It does happen. And so you can see this scene. And so we're looking at another vantage point of this uh, triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. This time from John, the beloved disciple of Jesus. And he's capturing these sounds of celebration. You know, on the route to the cross, there's a lot of sights and sounds along the way. If you would just for a moment, if if you could even close your eyes, you could almost imagine what it would sound like. Hundreds, perhaps. The sound, the wind, the, the, the nature, maybe the birds in the air, but you're hearing, Hosanna! Hosanna! I can't fully wrap my head around this, but they take these palm branches, and the excitement and the t- anticipation must have been so tangible. The greatest way I can see it is maybe like at one of our sporting events, something similar to that regard. But people are waving these branches. 
And I couldn't help but my nose to write this right off the bat. How often do we live? Andrew, how often do you live in this realm of things with the, this type of excitement and petition of praise for Jesus? How often? And yet there's this, this, this crowd, and sure, there's a case this side of the cross. We have the benefit of the canon of the, the written word, and we know Jesus has conquered sin and death. But we've seen how nothing is too difficult for him. We've all seen the signs and wonders like we sing in the song, your evidence is all around me. The evidence of your goodness. Nothing's too difficult for you, Lord. And so this crowd, they're, they're singing, they're proclaiming. And so these branches are a fitting visual reminder of why Jesus entered the world. Think about it for a moment. Thank you for providing these, by the way. <laughs> they enter with the palm branches. It's all about purpose. A lot of times we see and people will put words in Jesus' mouth, say, well, Jesus came for this reason. A lot of times it goes into the affirmation camp of, of Jesus. He just, he loves you, silly, and he does. He loves you tremendously. The word says his banner over you is love. But his purpose was not to come to affirm. His purpose came to save and to save the lost. It says in John 3.16, and sometimes the sound can get lost on us when you hear these words. I've been there. I've even tuned it out when the preacher preached it. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He saved me. He saved you. Sometimes it gets a little dulled. Sometimes we go through the motions. But the great thing with Resurrection Sunday next week, it's a great reminder, a practice to live with exuberant praise and worship for what he's done. Something we couldn't do on our own behalf. And so I love how scripture is full of these, these signals. In fact, perhaps you knew this, in Jewish culture, a name was very important. Now, sure, I'm not saying any of your names don't matter. I, I, apparently, my name, Andrew, means strong, courageous. But if you look on the internet, a lot of other people have the same definition. I was really saddened when I heard this, okay? I thought I was the only one, Andrew, you're strong, courageous. John, I don't know what you said, bro, but I was, really, I was really excited about it. But in Jewish culture, the name was so specific to the point of identity and mission. Identity and mission. So think about this. If it's speaking to one's identity and purpose, and the word in the English, Jesus, is the transliteration of the Hebrew, Yeshua, that literally means salvation. So when you say Jesus, you're celebrating saying, salvation, you are my salvation. Yeshua, I understand your purpose. I identify with you. I am now seated in you in heavenly places. I am securely within your hands. Yeshua, Yeshua. And so it's a fitting celebration, isn't it, as they're waving the palm branches, they're singing Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So let's go a little bit further into these palm trees. How many of you have actually seen a palm tree? Okay. So they're fairly tall. They're, they're flourishing. They're, they're upright. 
but they can rise even upward to 80 feet high. 80 feet. So their stature in some respects is, in, in some ways, unparalleled. They feature these branches that can bend and extend, I didn't know this, 6 to 12 feet long. 6 to 12 feet long. And so you can see how it's fitting that Jesus would be holy and set apart. No one is like him. No one can match him in stature or fullness. Scripture says, in him dwell the fullness of God. No one can compare to him. And in fact, his love, his banner over us is love and extends far and wide to all who look to him. Palm branches. Now we've known, Jim, you probably know this, as your leaves are doing well right now, you're chanting a little bit more victory lately, okay? But palm branches were, you know, connected with employing and signaling victory. Back in Jesus' day, when there was a victory of, of, you know, war and such, the people would use them to proclaim and signal the victory of the generals and such. We're told in Revelation 3.9, it says this, As I looked up, there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number. Can you imagine that? No one could number this multitude of people standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Because we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, and the word in our testimony of who he is, Yeshua, Yeshua. And so, you know, this morning I told Megan, I ran up the stairs, and I said, Megan, this is so awesome as you're, as you're preparing, going through scripture, you learn something all the time. And this hit me in a fresh and new way. These descriptors of what is right here in this opening story of the triumphal entry, these descriptors show us not only is it speaking to a royal procession of that of kings and rulers, but it shows and celebrates how Jesus' glory is unlike anyone else. But point number two is this, that those palm branches probably signal the most important aspect and that's provision. Provision. See, up to this point, the people, the Jews, and frankly, the people of the world, could not fend off their sin. Couldn't atone for it. You would try and you would fail. In fact, in Scripture, we're told in Leviticus 23, palm branches, were, as they're shown with provision, would be used at one of Israel's great festivals, the Feast of Tabernacles. And so at this feast, it would happen annually every year where the, the assembly would come together in celebration and appreciation and gratitude for Yahweh's provision on the land. So maybe we have some farmers watching today. They're praying all the time. Lord, we need rain. Okay, Lord, that's too much rain. You can dial it back a bit. But thank you for your, your provision. And so when we're told in Leviticus 23, verse 40, it says, On the first day, you're to take the product of these majestic trees, the palm fronds, the brows of leafy trees, and the willows of the brook, and rejoice before the Lord, that's Yahweh, your God, for seven days. You're not just supposed to go through the motions. You know, it's almost like walking out the door in the morning and just seeing the beautiful, you know, nature and just being like, oh, it's a nice day. And you start, you know, just kind of mumble, oh, yeah, what a, what a, what a beautiful day, God. What a beautiful day, what a beautiful day. 
But he got into a place of celebration. Lord, what a, what a gorgeous day today. My car might have just broke down, but it's a gorgeous day today. Actually, if, matter of fact, where is my car? Cars in the neighborhood have been uh, disappearing lately. <laughs> a matter of celebration. And so here, if you can wrap your head around this palm branch and the, the ways and descriptors that it holds... If you can see that it's a signal of provision, you can see why the people are celebrating. On all these different levels, in many ways, like a wedding feast, they have formed the receiving line to greet the one who has brought provision, the atonement for their sins. If we were living then, we'd be part of that receiving line. I think you'd be on your feet. I think you would lose your voice. I think you'd grab as many palm branches as you possibly could. Scripture tells us this in Romans 3, 25. God presented him as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. Jesus, long before this interaction even occurred, he said, the son of man has not come to be served, but to serve and give life, to give my life as a ransom for many. Amen. In fact, the prophet Isaiah said this, see my servant will be successful. He will be raised and lifted up and greatly exalted. Greatly exalted. So the point when Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many, he knew, as we see later in the chapter, he predicts the type of crucifixion that he would endure for our benefit. In fact, he would be what? Lifted up on the cross. And it would have a far-reaching, extending impact that we could possibly imagine just like those palm branches, six to 12 feet in length, in order to make propitiation for the sins of the world. And I appreciate that reference perhaps more than anything other because Jesus didn't come for his own kin. He didn't come for his own people group. He came for the sins of the whole world. And I became a little dull to this fact, like, Andrew, he came and died for you. Now, I'm not a Calvinist. I believe that anyone who believes in Jesus, that's the predestination. Anyone who believes in him is in him because of the gift of faith. They're seated in him. And so I'm moved this afternoon to come to a place of celebration that Jesus came. He entered the scene not to affirm but to save. And we're told in 2 Corinthians 5.19 that in Christ... Remember Messiah, that's what Christ means, Messiah sent one. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. How many of you appreciate that your debt has been covered? When was the last time, amen, hey, yeah, thank you, Jesus. When was the last time you went to a restaurant and you looked at a big bill, but it was paid in full? You ever had that happen? On a few random occasions, and I'm not saying it's because we prayed and said, Lord, I don't know how we're going to pay for this tonight. No, nothing like that. I like to say, we, we, I have faith, but it doesn't happen that way. But there have been times where I'm out with friends or family, 
And the, and the server would come over and we're like, yeah, we'd like the check, please. And they say, oh, don't worry about it. It's already been paid in full. That's what it's like. The, the fact that we can't cover, we cannot possibly measure up. And so Jesus, like that palm branch, he would bend down in a way. He would come down to earth. He would bend with all the insults of the Pharisees. He would bend with the insults of the scribes. He would bend to the insults of those who would not confess and believe upon his name. And yet he would bend down in service for them because they were lost and broken. And because of that, by confession of faith, they can be forgiven and made whole. That's what I'm tremendously thankful for today, that I am whole right here and now. This side of human history, Andrew Pierce, Jim Nordegg, you are completely whole in Christ. Preach it, amen, because you know the, the lie out there right now is, you know, Isaiah, there's a lot of work you gotta do. You're kind of there, you're like partially righteous, but if we're a new creation and Christ says the old is gone and the new has come, how can we be new and yet be bad? How can we be new and be dirty rotten or dirty rotten sinners? This is what he accomplished. This is the celebration. This is the victory. And the reason why I'm proclaiming all these pieces even here this afternoon is because we don't have a good Friday service. In Isaiah 53 verse five, if you don't get excited about this, my goodness. It says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. Maybe even switch our to my. He was pierced for my rebellion, crushed because of my iniquity, punished for my peace was on him. And I am healed by his wounds. I went astray like sheep. I turned to my own way and the Lord punished him for the iniquity of mine. Provision, a signal of victory that it is finished. 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 If there's anything you take away today, it is finished. You're saved. You're white as snow. I went through a car wash this weekend and it's good to feel squeaky clean. That's how you are permanently It is finished. The Bible says in Acts 4, verse 12, there is no salvation, or the salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. It's not complicated, is it? That's my walking away point for today. Your salvation is not complicated. Rejoice in your salvation. It's not complicated. Jesus showed us how uncomplicated it really is. To come to conclusion, I'm gonna invite you to turn to Luke chapter 23, verse 39. And if you're a you know, Bible study person, maybe you're aware of this part of scripture, I'm sure you've heard it time and time again about the thief on the cross. And it truly shows us how uncomplicated the salvation really is. And so it says in Luke 23, verse 39, and forgive me, I don't have the verses for today. 
that when the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself, save us. But the other answered, rebuking him, don't you even fear God since you're undergoing the same punishment? We're punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve, the things we did. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, and you wish it was like a movie scene, like a cinema score in the background. You can, you can sense the tone, the inflection in the actor's voice. But for a moment, just imagine this where he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. And it was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three, because the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle. That dividing wall was now removed. We have complete and total access to the Father. In verse 46, it says, And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And in saying this, he breathed his last breath. <sighs> and when the centurion saw what happened, he began to glorify God. It didn't say the centurion began to mumble. It didn't say the centurion started to look to his left and the right to see who was watching. It says he began to glorify God saying, this man was really righteous. Meaning, he was sent of God because only he is righteous. Because of this thief's, that's why it's emphasized, the thief on the cross, we know that his deeds brought him there. We know that what he had done in life had taken him to that place and moment in history. And so in many ways, it's illustrating for us. That's why I believe John, the beloved disciple, is telling us the wages of sin is death. No matter what you do, that is leading you down one path that you cannot turn from without intervention from the Lord. The wages of sin is death. And so here in verse 41, the thief is saying to his buddy, who's choosing a different path, we deserve this. But for him, he confessed and turned which means repentance. It's like, in a, in a way, it's like his whole life flashed before his eyes. He saw what had brought him there, the predicament that he was in, but also illustrating for us the wonderful forgiveness and victory in Jesus that's not complicated. Because God knows the heart. Would you say that's what that's reflecting? That God knows the heart? When the thief says, Lord, would you remember me in your kingdom? He didn't say, Lord, I, I've checked all the boxes. Lord, I've gone to uh, confessional. Lord, I've, I've taken communion. Lord, I've, and you start to go down the list. He just says, remember me. Because God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And so we came to this 
this resolution of who Jesus is. When he says, Lord, he's saying, you have the authority and power to forgive my sin. And so he looked at his savior, Yeshua, witnessing in real time. I really believe this. He was witnessing in real time the price that Jesus was paying for him. Perhaps he even realized that it went beyond him. And he's saying to his friend, like we all should be, saying to the friend, we deserve this, but look, look, this man deserved nothing. Look, look what he's doing for us. Because the scripture says that you and I are a new creation. The old is gone, this new has come. But we've been given this ministry of reconciliation, how God has reconciled him, us to himself. And this promise is for all who call upon the name of the Lord. It's not complicated. So my, my encouragement to you today is when you go into the highways and byways, byways, when you're sitting down for coffee, when you're having conversation, and people ask, like they asked Peter on the day of Pentecost, what must we do to be saved? Don't make it complicated. You notice here the thief didn't go through a sinner's prayer. He didn't go through a song and dance. He was just wholeheartedly making his confession before the Lord. The Apostle Paul said this. He knew what it was to be forgiven. He says in 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, God's foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Turn from unrighteousness. And Jesus said in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from the sheep's pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice then they will be one flock, one shepherd. If that doesn't illustrate for you the celebration, the rejoice of the salvation that we have, that we've been brought into the family of God, I'd encourage you to reflect today as we take emblems together. I'm gonna invite Brad to come and we're gonna have a time of celebration and communion. Sure, it's, it's like a memorial where we're recounting and remembering what Jesus has done. But this side of history, this side of the cross, it's also a celebration. Because it is total in effect. There's nothing left to be done. And as we go to take these emblems today, I want you to keep this in the back of your mind. This story with the thief on the cross can illustrate to us that no matter what our past actions have been, maybe you're thinking about a, maybe even a friend or a family member, whatever your actions have been, those maybe collective family groups and decisions that have been made in the past, that doesn't have to define today, that certainly doesn't have to define your future. Because if you confess Jesus Christ, today's a new day. Today is the day of your salvation. Amen. And so rejoice in your salvation as you take these emblems. Would you join me as we take them together? Thank you, Jesus. In 1 Corinthians, 
the Apostle Paul said this, for I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. On the night Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. of the cracker, which symbolizes his broken body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that in you I can be made whole. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Fill my heart with praise, Jesus. In a similar way, it says he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he Jesus was at the Last Supper, he turned to his disciples and he said, this cup symbolizes my blood of the new covenant. It's, been, it's, it's what establishes, it's what makes a way. And as you go here today and as we come to a time of celebration, I think it's very fitting to, to wrap it all back up, is that Jesus your high priest, the scripture says, can sympathize with all of your weaknesses. In fact, he can empathize with it because he's been through it all. That he says, don't worry, I've taken that from you and took it upon myself. Shed the blood so that you could be forgiven once and for all. That's the celebration. That, I believe, is what the people in the crowd were recognizing. Yeshua, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As we look to Revelation, that before him every tongue will bow, or every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Amen. And so when you go into the restaurants, when you go into the different places, you take Jesus with you. You take Yeshua with you because there is nothing too difficult for him. There's no situation that he cannot bring breakthrough and life transformation. I hope for today, we believe that and collectively believe that, amen. Today is a new day. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've had in your word. Lord, my God, I'm encouraged in spirit. Lord, I thank you that you've encouraged us and you've moved upon us. 
today to you like those of old, those who looked their, put their faith in you and celebrate in the streets as you entered the world with a purpose. Lord, we identify your purpose and the resounding victory which you accomplished on the cross for all of us, for the sins, the propitiation of sin for the entire world. And that because we call on you, we are securely in your family. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hosanna in the highest. We exalt your name in this place. God, pour out your spirit as we recognize your glory, as we recognize and exalt your wonderful and holy name in this place. May it resound, Lord, we ask that it would touch hearts, even as it goes out of this place and atmosphere of worship, the people as they're sitting in their houses, maybe they're going for a walk this afternoon, this beautiful weather, maybe they're going for a ride on a motorcycle, whatever it may be, Lord, you would touch them, Lord, would you would meet them like you met Paul on the road to Damascus, that they would have an, an encounter with you, Lord Jesus, and that we, like the thief on the cross, would be able to say, this is what Jesus has done for me, and we can testify to your goodness of how we've been reconciled to you. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this day. Today is a brand new day. And we're reminded to celebrate our salvation in you. In Jesus' name. If you're in agreement, I invite you to say amen. 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 Let's worship together, bro.
praise you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, this is good. You know, this is a perfect segue. We're going to start doing something um, the next Sundays as we gather. We want to encourage you, if you can, to come a little bit early and start to saturate this place in prayer. We want to start to establish the culture. We're taking, in some ways, baby steps in some respects. Some of this might be new and fresh to you. But we, like the people of God who even marched around Jericho, believing that God would, would bring the walls of Jericho and they would come tumbling down as they resolve together in celebration and the, the frequency of the voice. Don't get caught up in the frequency. It's the fact that the power of God by His Spirit moved as the people faithfully marched around the walls. And so here we want to believe symbolically as we come here before service at 2.30, around 2 o'clock or so, and saturate in this place, free to move around. Pray for people that are on your heart. Pray for this church. Pray for hope today. Because here and there, we know there's always opposition, there's always challenges, but there's opportunity for people to come to faith. It is my prayer and desire, and I believe you resound with this, is that people would be drawn, and they don't even know why. the houses of worship that are happening, but to engage in the community of faith as a whole. And so if, that, if you're here today and you're like, yeah, you know what, that's something I can do. Maybe just start out. It doesn't have to be every week, but the doors will be open. Come at two o'clock and start to pray, start to sing and, and to move around and, and, and to declare like we've been doing in song. And I believe, the Lord press upon my heart, that in, in this, in this hunger, as we commit ourselves in such a way, He's going to pour out His Spirit in a fresh and a new way. And fire will fall. He's going to fill you afresh. And different giftings and, and ministries will be activated. Not only in the house, but what you're going to take out of this place and into the world. Amen. So think about that. Pray into that. And with that, I want to invite the worship team just to as we go today, but what a beautiful time I believe.